Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave it a rating review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. And just a reminder, this is a daily Leafs podcast, so if this is your first time here listening to Locked On Leafs, make sure that you Check back every day, Monday to Friday, for new episodes on Nothing But The Buds. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me this week to get in on the action. Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we chat sports. Okay, a couple of things that we're going to get to today. One, we're going to get a little bit of an update on what's going on with Zach Hyman. Um... There was a clip from Kevin McGran earlier today on TSN 1050 that I want to play about what teams apparently are are kind of willing to give him and, and what he's asking for, which I think is a number and a term that would probably put the Leafs out of the running. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, we're also going to be laying out the expansion rules. So I'll be telling you exactly what the rules are for Seattle in this expansion. Now, it's pretty much the exact same from Vegas. So if you remember how that went, every team uh, has to have a player taken. They're going to have um, specific players that have to be exempt. There is a, a minimum requirement for teams. You can't just pick seven players and that's it. There has to be certain requirements as well. And I'll go through all of those rules. And then I'm going to also talk about what I think the Leafs We'll do with their protection list. I'll make the argument for a 7-3-1. Also make the argument for eight skaters. And um, what I think they will do. What their overall protection list will look like. And then talk about the players that Seattle will most likely uh, be after. And who the Leafs could most likely lose to the expansion draft. But let's talk about the Zach Hyman news first before we get into all that. Um... So Kevin McGran, a writer for the Toronto Sun or Toronto Star, sorry, he was on TSN Ten Fifty on Leafs Lunch earlier today, and he was talking about what Zach Hyman, what he's hearing Hyman is asking for and wants, and then basically laid it out. These are the Leafs' options if this is the case, and here's that clip now. He would like to get uh, an eight-year deal if he can. Uh, he'd like to get north of $5 million a year if he can. He'll take less from the Leafs. So either he will get a deal that the Leafs go, okay, that's, we, we, can't even, we can't match that. Off you go, we'll trade your rights and get something. Uh, get an asset back for something that you're going to lose for nothing. Or B, uh, reality will strike with, with the Hyman camp that, you know, the grass is not necessarily greener. The Leafs are being fair and honest, and maybe there's a deal that can be done. So, yeah, those are the two options at this point. So because Zach Hyman has been granted permission to go and speak to other teams and his agent is able to go and speak to other teams, you know, they're going to get a pretty good sense about what the market's going to be like him on July 28th once free agency officially begins. And, you know, that could that could work out 
one of two ways for Zach Hyman, like Kevin McGrand just said. Either that means that he'll find an offer that is is large that the Leafs can't do, and if he's asking for eight years north of $5 million, the Leafs can't do that. There's absolutely no way the Leafs are doing that type of deal. So if that is indeed what's out there for them in markets like Edmonton or Vancouver or Calgary, all three of those teams right now are considered uh, heavily, heavily interested in Zach Hyman. And, you know, if if there are this many teams, and, and I've heard as many as a third of the league will be inquiring on Zach Hyman services, I mean, at that point, you're bidding each other up. You know, if you're Hyman's agent, you are stoked what's going on. And, and, you know, it goes to the highest bidder, right? And the Leafs won't be able to be that. Um, McGrath did say that if there's a, a, a deal that could be had where it's just slightly under, like let's say uh, it's like an eight-year deal at $4.8 million, let's say, uh, that would be something that the Edmonton Oilers are offering, right? I'm not sold that he would necessarily take that if the Leafs offer four million on like a seven year deal. You know, like like he would take a little bit of a discount, but it's still going to have to be relatively uh, a good deal for him and his family. So we'll have to see. Again, we are less than what are we now? Twelve days away from free agency. Um, so we'll see what happens. They could also trade his rights. They could try and do a sign-and-trade as well. You know, if a team wants that eighth year, a sign-and-trade is the way to get it done. So if he's going out there and if his agent's doing his job and he's pitting teams against one another and they're they're bidding right now for the services of Zach Hyman um, and, and that eighth year is what it takes, they're going to have to get the Leafs to sign him and then trade for him and give up an asset to get Zach Hyman. If it, in fact, is like that much uh, interest in Hyman where that's what it would take. I'm not sure if that is the fact. I, I, As much as I love Hyman and I think he's a really good hockey player, I'm not so sure that all of this is, is worth it. Like, y- you look at what Ryan Nugent Hopkins signed for, 5.125, I believe, by eight years. He's younger and realistically a better player. They're different. They play differently, but Nuge has the much higher upside and can actually be productive for, if not all, most of the eight-year term that he signed that deal for. You're not. If you are a, an opposing team, you can't possibly sign Hyman for more than what Nuge and Hopkins signed for if, if you're looking to get a seven- or eight-year deal or what Joel Erickson X signed for in Minnesota. So when I hear Kevin McGrand saying he's looking, he would like to get, you know, over five million, north of five on an eight-year deal, I just don't know if that's realistic for Hyman's camp. That may be what they want, but that's not really realistic. And if that is what they're looking for and that is the market, there's no way the Leafs can contend there. Not a chance. Not a chance. So uh it's looking more bleak and bleak as the days go on that Zach Hyman will be elsewhere, not in the 416 uh, area code starting next season. All right, let's get to uh, some of these expansion rules before I go ahead and, uh, and make my arguments for who I think the Maple Leafs protection list should look like. So 
Seattle will get to select one player from each team, except for Vegas. Vegas is exempt because, you know, they get everything in this world, including long playoff runs, something that a lot of teams want but can't have. But Vegas gets that and exemption. Great. But anyways, so Seattle gets to select one player from each team. Now, if you'll recall back at Vegas, yes, Vegas did get multiple players from one team, but those were due to side deals. Vegas can still make those side deals, right? So those can still be made. They won't be announced, I believe, uh, until the expansion draft next week. I'm sure they'll leak out now that I say. I mean, they'll probably leak out, but they won't be officially official until the expansion draft. Uh, but th- that's how they would get it. But they have to select. They could only select one player through the expansion. If you remember, like Vegas's expansion team, like the actual players they picked, the 30 names that were on the expansion list weren't that great. You know, like a, a lot of the pieces and players they got through trade uh, afterwards as side deals is really what made up the core of this of this team. Right? So, you know, is Seattle going to be able to make those types of deals? Perhaps. Maybe they will. I think with the salary cap being so tight, There'll be a lot of teams looking to offload some contracts to, to try and get, you know, under the books. I mean, not that it's going to happen, but just because this this is an easy example. But, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning will probably, like, want to pay as much. Like, they'll be able to uh, ask for the Lightning, like, a first-round pick to take Tyler Johnson off their books. Like, Tyler Johnson, if you recall, a year ago was on waivers and nobody wanted him. They need to move that that space. It has to happen. So if they say, okay, we'll take that. We'll do you a favor. We'll take that off your books, but it's going to cost you a first-round pick. And that's how they're going to collect these, these things. I don't think they're going to be in a situation where it's like, oh, no, we want to keep Dumba, so we'll give you Alex Tuck so that you take this guy instead of Dumba, who we are going to leave unprotected because we have to. So we'll give you a, an extra prospect to take this guy instead. I'm not so sure that's going to happen, but I think pe- uh, teams will more so pay to have certain players taken, not to save other players, but to get salary off the books. In Seattle, I mean, it would make some sense for some uh, some players, a guy like Tyler Johnson would make a little bit of sense because he can play in your top six. He's he's has uh, you know ties to the Seattle area. I believe he's from Spokane, Washington. So that would make some sense there. But you know, teams are will have to pay up. I mean, Vancouver if they want to get out of the Louis Erickson contract, it's it's going to cost them. But if they're up against it, they got to sign Pedersen. They've got to sign um, Hughes. And they need cap space. Maybe they do have to give up a top prospect or something or a draft pick just to get rid of Louis Erickson. We'll see what happens, but it's going to be interesting. Um, so as for who they can select, though, um, they L, players on LTIR and players with two years or less of pro hockey experience, so either that's in the AHL or the NHL, will both be exempt. So they do not need to be uh, protected by the team. So for the Leafs, guys like Nick Robertson, Rasmus Sandin, Ilya Mikheyev, they do not need to be protected under these exemption rules because they don't have more than two uh, full seasons of pro hockey 
under their under their wings, right? So Mikheyev, although he's played two years in the NHL, he still doesn't meet that requirement, even though he's an older free agent. But because that those hockey was played, uh, like the pro hockey was played in the KHL, it doesn't count. It's got to be NHL, AHL, or ECHL. Uh, but whereas a guy like Pierre Engvall, who will be available despite playing less than two years in the, in the NHL because he did have so much AHL service time as a pro hockey player. So that's kind of the way that that it is. So Engvall will have to be protected, but guys like Robertson, Sandy, Mikheyev, Lilligren, they will not need to be protected. So you don't have to worry about them when you're going through and, and, and submitting your protection lists. So there are two options for the protection list, and this is the exact same as it was back with when Vegas did theirs. So you can either pick seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goal goalie or eight skaters and one goalie now the reason why it would be eight skaters is i mean basically so you can keep a fourth defenseman unless you really have eight forwards that you want to keep and that would be impressive if you have eight forwards that you would want to keep over any of your other defensemen um that's that'd be the only reason why you would do that so yeah so either seven seven three one or eight and one, and these lists are due tomorrow afternoon. Like I said, um, and of the list of players that are exposed, each team has minimum requirements of players that have to be exposed. So uh, each team must have at least two forwards and one defenseman who are under contract next season and have played either 27 games this year or 54 games in the last two seasons, and that has to be exposed. I'll explain once we get into uh, the Maple Leafs section a little bit why there's uh, this makes things a little uh, murky, I guess, when it comes to having the lead players exposed in in the draft which is why a guy like Pierre Engvall may end up being left exposed. Meanwhile, he may be may be the seventh best forward on the team, but they have to leave two guys exposed who have contracts next year and have played uh, either 27 this year or 54 in the last two. Does that make sense? Hopefully that makes sense to you. <laughs> um, and there has to be at least one uh, goaltender who's under contract next season um, who also has to be left exempt, which, if you recall, last year, Michael Hutchinson was signed to a two-year deal. That was in mind that he was going to be the goalie that was going to be, uh, at the very least, offered up in the expansion draft. Not that they figured that he was going to be selected, but that is the goalie who they could offer up, and then they don't have to worry about it, um, and they could they can save uh, Jack Campbell. So, those are the protection requirements um, when you're going through your lists. So let's take a break, and when we come back, let's get to the expansion list. I'll make the argument for what a 7-3-1 and list would look like, also a 8 skaters and a goalie list and what that would look like, and then I'll also talk about uh, which list I would do and what I think the Leafs will end up doing as well, and then also chat about some of the options that Vegas will have available to them uh, from the Maple Leafs. And we'll do all that when we return here on the Lockdown Leafs podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of the show, here with you uh, for another episode. So I already went through the protection requirements, so the minimum requirements that need to be left 
uh, exposed for Seattle, the Seattle Kraken. So two forwards with at least uh, 27 games played this year or 54 games played over the last two years who also was under contract next year. So you have to have two forwards who fit that requirement that have to be left exposed. So you can't just leave a bunch of unrestricted free agents, right? You can't do that. Or RFAs. You can't do it. Has to be at least two players under contract that also meets the game's requirements. And the same thing with defensemen, except you only have to leave one defenseman with those same requirements and then one goaltender as well. So let's take a look and see what the Leafs would do if they decided to go seven, three, and one. So what seven forwards would the Leafs like to protect? So obviously you're protecting Austin Matthews. That is an absolute no-brainer. Don't even need to have a discussion on that. Uh, John Tavares, no-move clause, so he's automatically protected. Yes, everyone who has a no-move um, is automatically protected unless they waive it, which we have seen around the league for some players. Uh, I don't expect the Leafs to ask Tavares to to waive his. So they're going to keep him anyways, and they'll use the protection slot on Tavares. Mitch Marner, 100%. He is also going to be protected. And uh, William Nylander will be the the fourth guy who will also be protected here. And those four are all absolute locks. Now this is where it gets... Interesting, because, again, they have to leave two players that have uh, contracts for next year. So, those players include Kerfoot and Simmons, Engvall, and uh, Spezza. So two of those players have to be left exposed. So odds are if you're going 7-3-1, okay. I think Kerfoot, um, despite you know maybe the $3.5 million that could come off the books if they select him, could be beneficial. I still, they like him, so I think they keep Kerfoot. So now you're down to Wayne Simmons, Pierre Engvall, or Jason Spezza. You have to only pick one of those two because two of them have to be exposed. So Simmons, Engvall, or Spezza. Well, I think this is where the Leafs are actually in a pretty good spot because we already know that Spezza doesn't want to play anywhere else. Like He's he's already come out and said last year when he was placed on waivers, he said, look, if anyone picks me up, I'm just going to retire. So odds are that means that the Seattle Kraken will not be interested in Spezza because he'll just say, nah, I'm just retiring, waste of a pick. So you can leave Spezza protected. So now it comes down to Pierre Engvall or Wayne Simmons. The Wayne train is an interesting one. He's got two years on his deal. At 32 years old, $1.5 million was just signed to it. I wonder if this $2 million, the two years that he got, the second year, was put in place to try and scare off Seattle. You know, like having that extra added salary two years out from now as a 32-year-old, he'll be 33 going into his 34-aged year at that point. Is that somebody who Seattle really has interest in? Like if it was a one-year deal, maybe bring him in as a good veteran. I could see it. But on a two-year extension, maybe they would be a little scared and weary for making that commitment. So... Perhaps you don't even need to keep Simmons, like protect him. 
because he may not even get chosen. So let's go with Pierre Engvall as the player who gets kept. But we still have one spot. <laughs> still have one spot. And, and you know, it would be easy to say, okay, well, okay, Wayne Simmons, boom. Or Jason Spezza, boom. It, it, it doesn't, we can't. <laughs> we cannot. Because those are the only two players left on this roster that meet the requirements. So you're rolling the dice and hoping that they don't select one of the two veterans because they make the assumption that, okay, they probably won't want to come and play here. They, they'd sign these deals in Toronto, specifically in Toronto, for that reason. Wayne Simmons isn't making 1.5. That was definitely the contract from last year. He's making like 900000 Now I look at it, I'm pretty sure he's making, yeah, that was from last season. Now he's making 900000 Regardless, anyways, um, I still don't know if if they take him because they just, he won't have, his heart won't be there, right? He wanted to be in Toronto. He took a discount to stay in Toronto. So if you're picking and you're okay with, with you know, like I said, you're picking between Pierre Engvall and Wayne Simmons, you know, Engvall probably may get selected so you could keep him, whereas I think it's less likely they select a 32-year-old Wayne Simmons who has two more years left on the deal. It's insanely cheap. It could be buried. But I feel like he would not want to go to Seattle. Therefore, they don't want someone who doesn't want him. So they just leave him. And go elsewhere. Pick a different player. Pick a defenseman. So I think it doesn't really matter at this point the last player you pick. I mean, you could keep UFA Alex Galchenyuk. UFA Nick Felino. Maybe Joey Anderson, 23 years old, came over in the Andreas Janssen deal. Extended for a couple more seasons. Someone who played, uh, uh, I think he maybe four games this season didn't get much action but you know I I think that could be a player who they decide to keep maybe it's Adam Brooks a guy who played some fourth line minutes for him that's who I'm going to select as a seventh player it's going to be Adam Brooks and that is the seven forwards that are now selected so we've got Austin Matthews John Tavares Mitch Marner William Nylander Alex Kerfoot Pierre Engvall and Adam Brooks if you want to do Wayne Simmons instead of Pierre Engvall, go for it. But this is more just like protecting the assets. I feel like Engvall would be more enticing than a player like Wayne Simmons. That being said, if we go 7-3-1, there are some enticing defensemen anyways, so it may not even matter which forward you leave exposed because they'll probably go to the blue line. So let's get to the blue line and talk about which three defensemen you would want to keep. So Jake Muzzin, absolutely. He's being kept by the Maple Leafs. Morgan Riley, absolutely. He will be protected by the Maple Leafs. TJ Brody, protected by the Maple Leafs. So those are the three guys who you're going to keep. I, I, Justin Hall is the other guy, I guess you could say, who who would factor into this conversation. But... He doesn't really. Not when you're just picking three guys. Like, Riley, Muzz, and Brody are easily the top three. I know that Justin Hall had a good season. 
not a good contract, but losing any of those other three would be far more detrimental to this team than losing Justin Holt. So that's your three defensemen. Muzzin, Riley, and Brody. So you're leaving Hall exposed. You're leaving Dermott exposed. One of those two likely will end up being the pick if this is a 7-3-1 a format that they decide to go to. The goaltender, it's Jack Campbell. Easy peasy. And Michael Hutchinson is, again, the one left exposed that... Uh, that makes it worth it. Uh, that makes it eligible. All right. Let's move. Well, we'll take a break. One more break. When we come back, I'll get to, uh, I'll break it down the eight skaters route, and then I'll compare and contrast, and we'll see what the Leafs should do. So we'll do that when I come back here on the Locked On Lease podcast. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know that the Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time only? Right now, they've got Grasshopper Cookie. It is phenomenal. And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about all of their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. You got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. And know this, my favorite flavor, the peanut butter brownie. It is fantastic. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors that we provide. And not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy or gal, but also good for the keto diet. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like and get it now. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano here, the host of the program. Uh, so we already went through and did our 7, 3, and 1 we made the argument for who we would protect if the Leafs went 7-3-1, and one, and that would leave uh, Wayne Simmons exposed, Jason Spezza exposed, Justin Hall, as well as Travis Dermott. Those would be the four main guys that Seattle would have to choose from should they go 7-3-1. and one. Decent players, right? Justin Hall and, and Travis Dermott. I think those two are pretty, pretty solid players. I mean, Hall especially would be a a, a fantastic pick for Seattle. So do you want to expose Hall? Well, maybe not. What would it look like if we tried to keep Hall? If we did eight skaters, which meant four forwards and four defensemen. So you do Muzzin, Riley, Brody, and then you keep Justin Hall as your fourth defenseman. So that leaves Travis Dermott as the... uh, Eligibility requirement is met there as they extended him last week or a couple of weeks ago to a two-year deal, and he fits the game's play requirement. And you'll recall, when I had that, that discussion about Travis Dermott, I said a reason why I believe this deal was made at the time it was made, because he has 
uh, arbitration rights. He could have waited and and went to arbitration and signed this deal later in the summer. But for them to get it done then, at that specific point, signaled to me that they would rather go forward four. Keep Justin Hall and then Travis Dermott by signing that contract before the expansion draft as opposed to waiting now allowed them to do so because that gave them the defensemen to meet eligibility for exposure requirements. So I think you leave Dermott exposed when you're doing four and four, and and you go with Muzzin, Riley, Brody, and Justin Hall. So let's go to the forwards. So what does this do? Okay. So obviously Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and then William Nylander. So you leave everybody else exposed. So that's Alex Kerfoot, Wayne Simmons, Pierre Engvall, Joey Anderson, Adam Brooks, Jason Spezza. All these guys are now exposed and available for the taking for the Seattle Kraken. So is it worth it? To me, the the decision to go... Seven three and one, as opposed to four and four, or four four and one, pretty much comes up with two players. This is what the Leafs have to decide: Would they rather lose Kerfoot, or would they rather lose Justin Hall? Because if they go seven three and one, Hall's gone, most likely. I mean, it could be Dermot, I suppose, but most likely they take Justin Hall. But if they go 4-4, four and four, that leaves Kerfoot available for the taking. 26 years old, versatile player, played for Dave Haxtell last season, had some penalty-killing time with Dave Haxtell. He likes him as a player. He trusts him as a player. So maybe that's the pick. Someone who could play in their middle six. who has that versatility to play down the middle and also on the wings, depending on how they end up you know, filling up the rest of the lineup. He's got two years left on his deal at $3.5 million. Now that could be beneficial for both sides if Kerfoot goes. Because that's $3.5 million off the books this year and next year. And in a flat cap world, flat cap economy, that's some, that's some much needed breathing room. I'll say that. And as for Seattle, well, they have a floor they got to get to. They can't just go out and get young guys on 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 crap deals. They also do have a, a salary cap floor of like sixty something million dollars that they got to get to with these thirty players. Well, I guess technically they don't have to get them with the thirty players, but they do have to get to a cap floor by the the end of the season, by the beginning of the season. And adding in a guy like Alex Kerfoot, some you know three and a half million dollars, but for for them that might be worth it because he's you know, could play in their middle six. He could be their their number two center. I don't think they're expecting to contend for a championship like Vegas, and they could allow a guy like Kerfoot to be a number two for the next couple of years and try and grow this team. You know, get some youth and 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 just grow as opposed to being legitimate contenders right off the hop like Vegas. And for Toronto, like I said, getting that cap off the books helps. And I don't know about you guys, but 
I mean, as great as Kerfoot is, I think his versatility is probably the biggest asset than his game himself. But at $3.5 million, I feel like that could be replaced at a cheaper rate. You know, like, it's not like Kerfoot was unbelievable. And he's not really a, a, a special teams guy either. He played some special teams, played on the second power play. He got some penalty killing time. But he's not really a, a stud at either. This team just happens to be, you know, quite shallow. Not a lot of depth. So a guy like Kerfoot had to play those extra minutes. But I think he's replaceable. At like a two, two and a half million dollar cost. And if he could cut your cap by two million bucks or a million and a half, that's not all bad. So losing Kerfoot wouldn't even be that bad if they went four and four. And ultimately, I believe that is the way that they will go. That is what I would do if I were Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I would go four forwards, four defensemen, and a goaltender. Keep Jack Campbell, obviously. And you expose Alex Kerfoot and Travis Dermott, and you let them take whichever one they want. If they want to take Dermott, okay, go ahead. There's not really a spot for him here anyways. You know, like, there's also a part of me that that also believes that Dermott's extension, although it, it did allow the Leafs to, to do the four defensemen route, it also may have been negotiated with the like preconceived notion like Seattle's going to take him anyways. Because at $1.5 million, it's, it's a little bit of a questionable contract for somebody who may not even crack the lineup. So those are the two options, and those are the two players that I believe the Seattle Kraken will be deciding upon come Monday, or come tomorrow, technically, once the protection rosters uh, are announced, the protection lists are announced, and then Seattle's going to have like four or five days to mull over all of the names that are left unprotected and try and formulate the best team they possibly can to start the franchise. Will Alex Kerfoot be on that list? Will he be the name that gets taken? Or will it be Travis Dermott? Or will they maybe go seven skaters and try to protect Alex uh, Kerfoot? And then maybe it'll be Justin Hall. We'll find everything out tomorrow. So not too long. We're less than 24 hours away from figuring out what the Maple Leafs will do with their expansion list. And then from there, I guess we'll get a pretty uh, a better idea of who will be losing. But if I had to say, I'm confident that it will be one of three players: Justin Hall, Travis Dermott, or Alex Kerfoot. If I had to knock it down to two, it'd be Kerfoot and Dermott. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm excited. I love this stuff so much. I really do. I love and live for the off-season. Speculation, rumors. Ah, I cannot get enough of it. And uh, I'll be here 
with another podcast on Monday once the list finally do get exposed. And I'm going to be GM Jeff uh, or Ronnie Francis. And I, once all of the expansion lists are done this weekend, Monday's episode, I will be taking over the Seattle Kraken and I'll be selecting my team as if I were Ron Francis. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you check back on Monday for that. That will do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. Receive daily Leafs content. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs. And like I said, I'll be back on Monday with another episode. I'll be doing my final Seattle mock draft for the expansion. Be sure to check it out. But until then, enjoy your weekend, folks, and keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.